Welcome to Orphan Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and years ago I met a woman and knew we would be podcasting together, but I already had a host, so we agreed to meet later in a chat room once we could pursue our dream of doing a show, and that woman, of course, was Lydia. And life ever since has been pink champagne. (laughs) (laughs) I'm even wearing my conserve water drink champagne shirt right now, so nice. I'm ready. (laughs) Very good. Uh, that's awesome. I'm always happy with you. You always have like the perfect comeback to my little. <laughs> except it makes for, him so much fun. Except for the two times when I was like, ah, I got nothing. <laughs> but when that happens, that always seems to work really well. Too, so. You know, you've got a good zinger when I'm like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome to talk to you again, Lydia. Thank you for joining me. I'm always happy to do so. And before we go any further, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thank you very much. It's always fantastic to have you guys listening. I want to make sure everyone knows that they can listen and subscribe to this show at all your favorite outlets, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podjaster.com. If there's a place to find podcasts, you will find Orphan Entertainment. If you have an option to do so at any of these outlets, please rate and review the show. If you are a Facebook user, there is a group that you can join, and this is a great place to find out what we're going to be covering next, and it's an easy place to leave any comments on the films or episodes. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search for Orphaned Entertainment, and there you can watch many of the films that we've covered here on the podcast. If you would like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanentertainment at gmail.com. All these links are on our webpage over at orphanedentertainment.com. Now, let's listen to a very special five-minute mystery. It is finally here after all this time. We have produced a five-minute mystery. Uh, This one was a script provided to us by Pete Quint from over at the Good Beer, Bad Movie Night podcast. And we're very excited. We had so much. I'm so sorry it took us so long to get this together. It was was a joint effort making making everybody wait this long. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We we will both share the blame on this one. But once we finally sat down and started doing it, it was a lot of fun to put together, and we hope you enjoy it. So let's go ahead and listen to that. And when we return, Lydia and I will discuss not ours, but instead 1939's Love Affair. Another five-minute mystery. Detective. Well, hey there, James. I didn't know you were a fan of big-time wrestling. Yeah, I've been a fan since I was a boy. When I heard that the famous luchadors in Mexico are putting on a show, well, I couldn't resist coming down. But what are you doing here? 
I've been a fan myself ever since my father brought me down to see the great WOHO at the community center. And I, I was just a little boy then. Uh, well, it looks like the match is wrapping up. Would you like to join me for a drink to talk? I'd love to hear your favorite childhood wrestling heroes were. I'd love to. Let me get my hat and we can head to the pub across the street. You know, I think the uh, brazen head is just up the block. Why don't we go there? I'm game. Okay, okay, ma'am, ma'am. Take take a deep breath, all right, and try to explain what happened. My name is Karen, and my husband Jeff and I were just, we were leaving the wrestling match. We thought we could beat the crowd by taking a shortcut down the alley when, when, (laughs) It's okay, ma'am, we understand. Can you tell us what happened next? Uh, Like I said, we took a shortcut down the alley when from out of the dark someone dressed like one of the wrestlers from the match jumped us and asked for our, our money. When Jeff refused, the man pulled a gun and shot him and ran off. Karen, can you describe the wrestler? Well, it was a little hard to see, but uh, I, I remember he, he had a big bushy mustache. Uh, I, I hope that helps. It was, it was so dark. You bet that helps. Detective, I'll head back to the gymnasium and start talking to the wrestlers. See if I can't find out which one this might be. We'll get to the bottom of this. No, no. Don't bother with interrogating the wrestlers. I think we have our murderer right here. Karen, I'm arresting you for the murder of your husband. Do you know what tipped off Detective Christopher? When we return, we will find out. But first... Just how drunk are we gonna get? Welcome to Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy... Killboy Christ! <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Thank you! <laughs> Dave... I have the weirdest boner. And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I f that up. <laughs> Try that again. As we drag Kathleen. Hear me. Kicking and screaming through an alcohol fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault. What? What do you mean? I just gave you a description of the murderer. It was a wrestler. And that's what gave you away, Karen. All the performers tonight were luchadors. Masked luchadors. If you were really at the match, you might have known that they never take off their masks. You would have never seen a mustache. Now come along, Karen. We're going downtown. Our five-minute mystery, Lucha Del Marta, was written by Pete Quint. Additional voices by James Olea. This has been an Orphan Entertainment production. Love Affair is a romantic comedy starring Charles Boyer and Irene Dunn. 
It was directed by Leo McCary and based on a story penned by McCary and Mildred Cram. Leo McCary had become tired of directing romantic comedies, which were the most popular genre at the time, and he, uh, he took a break. His wife suggested that they go on a cruising vacation around Europe to combat his writer's block, and when they returned to the United States, they watched the Statue of Liberty pass by. McCary immediately told her his idea about two passengers who fall in love on a cruise but realize they are both obligated to somebody else. He and Cram worked out the overall story, and Delmer Daves created the screenplay, and Donald Ogden Stewart helped McCary with adding some comedy elements. French playboy and famed womanizer Michel Marnet is traveling to America to marry a rich heiress. On board, he meets nightclub singer Terry McKay who is also on her way home to marry. They immediately find themselves attracted to one another despite their engagements. They begin to dine together, but since his reputation makes for an almost guaranteed news story, they try to ignore each other, which brings almost the same result. On a stop to the island of Madeira, Michelle takes Terry to meet his grandmother, played by Maria Ospinskaya, who we saw, ooh, this was back in December of 2019 in the Beyond Tomorrow film. As, as the uh, Russian royalty turned housekeeper. <laughs> she takes an immediate liking to Terry and confides in her that she hopes Michelle would settle down with a nice girl like herself. As the ship nears America, they admit their feelings to each other, but the two decide to part until they can break off their engagements and start creating their own lives, and then meet at the top of the Empire State Building in six months. Time passes, and each have begun new lives. She finds a good job singing at a well-to-do nightclub, where we hear Irene Dunn's actual singing. And uh, Michelle, after a rocky start, manages to become a successful painter. Their time to meet approaches. Michelle awaits on the top of the tower, but while crossing the street below, Terry is struck by a car and hospitalized. Terry, now partially and maybe permanently paralyzed, and Michelle, thinking Terry stood him up, the two lovers' futures together seems doomed. But will the same fate that brought them together in the first place keep them apart? Or will there be another chance in the future? <laughs> this uh, the controversial concept uh, of the initial screenplay was directed, uh, rejected by the production code administration, accusing the story of endorsing adultery, and it caused the original screenplay to be retold and rewritten to appease Hollywood censorship, and relied on actor input and improvisation, causing long delays and a budget to go from the intended eight hundred thousand dollars to nearly one and a half million. Irene Dunn said of the filming that the dialogue changed frequently and the cast received pieces of paper between filming. News columnists visiting the set would see the actors waiting around for their dialogue as scenes would be rewritten moments before shooting. The film's popularity was later dwarfed by McCary's 1957 remake titled An Affair to Remember, which spawned its own remake with 1994's Love Affair. We fairly recently watched Charles Boyer in Algiers in uh, December in 2020. So please go back and give that episode a listen. But I do think that is the first time we have... I, I do think this is the first time we have seen Irene Dunn. Irene Dunn is an American singer and actress, best known for her comedic roles, but can be found in other genres as well. At a young age, she was determined to become an opera singer, but she was rejected by the Metropolitan Opera of New York. So instead, she performed in musicals on Broadway until she was discovered by RKO Pictures, and made her Hollywood film debut in the musical Leathernecking in 1930. 
She starred in 42 movies, appeared in some television, and made guest appearances on radio until 1962. During that time, she was nominated five times for the Academy Award for Best Actress, once for uh, Cimarron in 31, Theodore Goes Wild in 1936, The Awful Truth in 1937, and Love Affair here in 1939, and then uh, finally I Remember Mama in 1948. She is credited by many as being one of the most talented actresses to never win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Critics have stated that they felt she was largely unappreciated and has been nearly forgotten due to her more better-known co-stars and movie remakes. When asked if she ever resented never winning, Dunn pointed out that the nominees she was up against had strong support, believing that she would never have had a chance, especially when Love Affair was against Gone with the Wind. Yeah, exactly. She says, I don't mind at all, she told columnist Joyce Haver. Greta Garbo never got an Oscar either, and she's a living legend. Dunn devoted her retirement to philanthropy and was chosen by President Dwight D. Eisenhower as a delegate for the United States to the United Nations, in which she advocated for world peace and highlighted refugee relief programs. She received numerous awards and accolades for her post-film work, and in 1985, she was awarded a Kennedy Center honor for her services to the arts. Irene Dunn is another actress with a ton of information, and it's too much to even try to condense any more than I have properly in the time allotted. So please, please go and read up on her on her own. She does have an amazing life with a a fantastic career. And I would have to agree with many of these critics. Having only seen her in this film, I still think, how did this woman not get an Oscar in her life? She was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think, I mean, yeah. <laughs> part I, I imagine part of it is just because she isn't the traditional standard of beauty that you would usually think of, but you can't just attribute it to that because there are certainly a lot of other actresses that received Oscars that you know. I mean, Catherine Hepburn is a great example that aren't the traditional beauty standard. But yeah, I, it's it it makes sense. She was just up against the wrong movies in the wrong years or the right movies in the in the right years. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't even think of that until I was uh, reading and doing the research and everything, and actually typing that out and seeing that quote about this film coming out the same year as Gone. With yeah, it didn't stand a chance. Yeah. I mean, oh what yeah. Did uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Lord of the Rings of its year. Wow, I just compared those two, didn't I? Uh, I think I just had my uh, movie card taken away from me. <laughs> but also interesting, I actually hadn't realized that uh, she was replaced twice by Deborah Carr once in an affair to remember well not replaced but a unseated sort of I mean mm-hmm. recast and you know overcast or overshadowed or you know erased from history for both the an affair to remember and the king and I actually Deborah Carr was a remake of uh, Anna and the King of Siam so it's interesting I mean even though these are stories we're really familiar with because there are later movies done in color with bigger budgets and bigger sets. We don't tend to think of her. That of course is not anything that could have influenced her winning an award or not, but it does explain a little bit of why she has faded. Lost to history. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, No, she is remarkable and being, you know, she's an actress and a singer. I was watching the film. My wife was sitting there watching, started to watch the film a little bit with me. And there's the scene where she goes to and gets the job at the nightclub and she starts belting out a tune. 
thinking you know there must be just like a woman somewhere that sings all these songs because they always sound the same and my wife was looking at her phone she's she was looking through some of the trivia like that's actually irene Dunn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> super interesting especially when you hear uh deborah deborah Carr didn't sing any of her songs not in the king and i or in so it's such a tragedy that that this film was overcast by an affair to remember because this has so much i would call it more authenticity in it there's more talent shown by the actors themselves in this, in my opinion. Um, I, and I don't want to turn this into a, hey, let's just do a side-by-side comparison of these right. two movies. It's not fair to this movie to do that. No, no, this one absolutely needs to be looked at on its own merits because it's, I, you know, sorry not to bury the lead or anything, but I thought it was a fantastic film. I really enjoyed the watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I watched it, I was thinking... Charles Boyer, I think I liked him more in Algiers. Mm -hmm. But the second time I started watching this, I found myself really drawn to him more in this film. Uh, I mean, not more, but maybe as much. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm kind of like, oh... I'm torn. I don't know if I like him more here than now. Found maybe about the same. I don't know. Maybe depending on what what day and what movie am I watching on that day. <laughs> yes. Well, it is. It's it's interesting. He's not a terribly different character in this than he is in Algiers. It's true. Except he's not a criminal in this one. He's a right. playboy instead of a criminal. But you still have that aspect to his character that is outside of the expectations of society you still have a a character that is not behaving exactly as he you know quote should behave so and and then part of it i think is just charles boyer is he's he the word that i thought of when i was considering this earlier was soulful he's soulful Mm. when when he looks at the camera or looks at his co-star he you see the emotion, not just yeah. the feelings, 
but the well, I, that sounded like oh, feelings and emotion, but but more than just you know how how he's reacting, you also really see emotion coming through. So he's he's easy to identify with. I think he's extremely mm-hmm. easy to identify with because he puts that all out there to see really easily. Yeah, no, he emotes very well, very naturally to where you you know he's an actor. You know, he's not living this life that he's or or he hasn't lived these events that he's talking about, but you feel that he has. Or has and, he? <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. Maybe he has, yeah. Maybe he has. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was noticing that too, especially the second time through. It's just the way um just the, the faces he makes as he's discussing and talking about scrunch his face a little bit like mm, no it you know it's, like, it's just perfect it works so well yeah. with what he's saying at the time and it, it's that little added touch that you were thinking i don't think the director said okay now you know scrunch your face right. you know, that's something he brought to it yeah and so it just it works and he is very enjoyable to watch it is it's interesting he's he's suave but it's like he's suave without trying uh it mm. every, it seems like later actors and there, you know, there are a few that come to mind where you feel like they're playing the character, but they or the character are trying to be the the lead man. They're trying to behave like a lead man would behave. And Charles Boyer, it's he's not it's you never have the feeling that he's acting at any point. Mm-hmm. You, it never occurs to you. This is an actor in a movie. But he also there's none of that um, self-consciousness of somebody trying to be macho or trying to be suave. It's either he's just he's just charming or he's not charming. He's not trying to be charming. It's hard to explain, but it, it's I I I can't help comparing him to Cary Grant, not because of the later movie, but because Cary Grant is the quintessentially acknowledged suave leading man. But he always has a bit of a stiffness to him, and Charles Boyer never has that. He's always it, he always feels very natural, like he's not. Um, I can't think of the right word. <laughs> I keep wanting to say self possessed, <laughs> but that's not the right phrase. He's just not self conscious. He's not. It's like he's never thinking about how other people are perceiving him. He's just being how he is. And I and I think particularly for a character like Michelle Marnay here in this film, uh, it works so well because Michelle Marnay has lived his entire life. He's lived a pampered life. He's never worked. He's always found a way. He's always found someone to support him, to feed him, to clothe him, to, to, <laughs> to wine and dine him. He's not embarrassed by it or anything. I mean, this is just his life. This is the way he's lived it. And there's that great moment when he meets um, he meets Terry, and he ends up they, they end up in her uh, her cabin, and there's a discussion. And he's obviously trying to make the moves on him. Oh yeah. And of course, <laughs> and she's like, "Well, I'm I'm going to be married. This is my husband and everything." He's nice. <laughs> Where is he now? Well, he's visiting his parents. He sends me on a buying trip every once in a while. You see. He's my boss, too. You don't think he would approve of pink champagne? Oh, you no, know? I don't. Well, I think it's very touching, you and him. Very beautiful. I like that. No, go ahead. 
He must be a very fascinating fellow. Well, you can just imagine how attractive he is when I can resist so charming a person as you. Yes. I think I'll go now. After all, I still have uh, deck tennis and uh, kino, and there is always shuffleboard. Don't tell me you're embarrassed. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> so if you don't mind, I think I'll take my pride for a walk. Unless by chance you care to have dinner, dinner with a... Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> right. Oh, that I would be very, very nice. He's, he's come just from an affair, literally, with his fiancé's best friend. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. his fiancé's best friend. And, and you get the impression this is not a guy who's particularly disturbed at the thought of wooing married women. But yeah, there's something about Terry that he realizes, oh, this is not going to happen. <laughs> this is not going to happen. How interesting. And almost like he doesn't want it to happen because that would make her, I'm, I'm stretching a little bit here, but that would make her not who she is. Right. Well, even right from the start, I think he finds her a bit fascinating because mm-hmm. she doesn't know who he is right <laughs> off the bat. When he, when they first, you know, he's standing at the portal yes. and the wind blows the telegram <laughs> And she picks it out from the other side of the wall. And she's like, well, who are you? And he's like, well, I'm Michelle Marnay. <laughs> oh, you're that oh, guy. You're the guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I love she's heard of him, but she's not looking for him. Uh, right. Yeah, it's <laughs> I love in her her quip here. Do you ever think it'll replace baseball? Mm. <laughs> 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 it's just, I, yeah, they're they're. Their chemistry through the whole thing, you know, her her being humorous and she is the funny one to his straight mm-hmm. man. They click so well in this. You, I <laughs> was just watching the beginning of this film again before we sat down to record. And the chemistry between these two mm-hmm. is absolutely magical. Yeah. I mean, this is like classic Hollywood chemistry. This is Boogie and Bacall. Mm-hmm. These are the pairings that you always hear about, but not for these actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it was interesting. I was reading a little bit on this, and at some point later in their careers, they, and I think they they did uh, two other films together, they were on some variety show and were asked to describe each other. And, um, I, and I think that Irene Dunn is quoted as saying that Charles Boyer is her favorite opposite leading actor. Um, and, and they just describe each other in just this glowing language, but and it's it's it makes perfect sense, you know. It's just these these two people that just click so perfectly on screen. And interestingly, I don't believe we're ever involved in their personal lives. I I think actually Irene Dunn was married at this point. I could be completely making this up, but <laughs> but um, it's it's just interesting. I I love that they have this sparking chemistry online or online on screen <laughs> online too i guess on screen but then uh it's it's t- it's full of mutual respect and i think that comes mm-hmm. across with the characters like even though his initial reaction to her to being interested in her is to try and you know woo her <laughs> um very quickly i think that turns into really genuinely recognizing her as a kindred soul and I think that chemistry, it was it was a lucky stroke uh, for uh, McCary, considering that they required a lot of on the spot uh, improvisation, rewriting, yeah, <laughs> and rewriting that you had 
these two actors that did have that kind of chemistry together mm-hmm. that probably were able to come up with some really great stuff between them. You wonder if this is one of those things where unfortunately we'll never know because it's the film's just too damn old. Mm-hmm. But this is the one of those films where you want to have the, some of those behind the yes. scenes <laughs> and, and stories and documentaries. And you want the commentaries with the actors like, oh, yeah, with this little moment where we don't say anything, but we ask what people will say. We came up with that. You want it. You you think maybe that could have happened, mm-hmm. but yeah, you don't know, but you want it to be true. Yes, yeah, definitely. I think it, it looks like it, even if it's not accurate. I, yes. I think we have to talk a little bit about the direction in this, too. Um, mm-hmm. There's some technical details in this movie that you don't notice unless you're watching closely. Um, and and it's funny, it's not a movie that... It, it, it's stuff that, that you won't notice because it's not... Uh, there are no special effects in this movie. I mean, even even the accident, the famed accident, is off screen. Off screen, <clears throat> yes. You just hear it. Yep. Yep. And um, it, it, you know, it's all interior shots. You're, I suppose there are a couple of exterior shots, but for the most part, it's interior or soundstage. But there are some moments in this. Um, one in particular. Terry steps out onto the balcony of. I love this shot. Yes, her fiance's apartment, and she swings the glass door open, and it stops with the um, reflection perfectly framed. I keep. I've got Eiffel Tower stuck in my head. Empire the Empire State, State, Building. State Building perfectly framed in the door, and and it's a moment where you there is no building with that kind of door. It doesn't exist. <laughs> There's nowhere in the world that you can stand <laughs> and open the door and get a perfectly framed reflection of the Empire State Building. But it's so, it's it's a, it's a special effect. And it's yeah. perfectly done, unless you're looking for it. Because I was actually looking for it being like, oh, can I see a cameraman? Would there be a crew reflected in this glass? <laughs> and then it was the Empire State Building. And I was like, Whoa, oh my goodness, this is an amazing special effect. I mean, in this era, and it's seamless. You don't you don't look at it and go, "Oh yeah, that's fake." You know, mm-hmm. you're not like, "Oh, those Ewoks <laughs> are totally just, you know, cut out and pasted in there. <laughs> there are no fake fires in a in a landscape here." Um, some other things though that that I noticed that are really subtle are when they're on the boat standing at the railing. There is this super subtle up and down motion, like they're on is a boat. There? there is, and, I, and when oh. I noticed it, I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, wait, what?" And I and I started paying closer attention, and it's phenomenal. You know, this was shot on a soundstage, but somebody had the presence of mind to say, "You know what? If we have the camera just real slightly go up and down, it's not well, it's not highly pronounced." Um, it just, you know, this real subtle up and down motion, but you really feel like they're standing on the deck of a boat. Where if it had been just a solid shot, you would feel like it's on a soundstage. And they do that in other films around this time. Um, the Lady Eve pops into my head. Of course, I always have to reference it. I'm sorry. But I don't remember that happening anywhere in that movie. So when it <laughs> happens in this one, it's so remarkable because it's so subtle. It's not a poorly executed special effect. Uh, and then in some of the cuts in this, um, in the, not uh, not cuts, but the moment specifically of the kiss, there's one kiss between this couple in the entire movie. Just one. But it's such a good kiss. That is one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> I That's one of my favorite screen kisses. Yeah. 
If I had, I've never thought about making a list of screen kisses, <laughs> but if I had to right now, that would be at the top of my and, list. And the best part is you can't really see it. It's right. The, it's entirely everything that drives it is the feeling of the moment. And it just drops down and focuses on their hands and then pans back up and you can see that they're kissing. But I love it because it it focuses on the hands for a moment and you know before the pan back up, you already know that they're kissing. And it's mm-hmm. it's so, it's the kind of cinematography that I wish they would do now. They never do it now. Now it's like, oh, they're gonna kiss. Yep, they're smashing their faces together. Okay, so what? Not the bleh. There's no intensity there's no like anticipation in in this shot is all of that and without ever showing anybody's tongue going in anybody's mouths they're not mashing their faces together they're not wiggling their heads around it's just it's just perfect it's so well directed and it's mostly hidden by a door Mm -hmm. (laughs) which i love too it's this they're just almost in the hallway but not in the hallway Ah, I could gush. I did gush. I am gushing. I'll try to stop. <laughs> you are gushing. Well, you would have. I you beat me to it because that you've already hit hit on two of the absolutely you know favorite scenes in this movie for me. <laughs> no, it was just that fantastic kiss because they're they're just saying goodnight. He kind of he comes up and he takes her hand. It, nothing. Just just takes her hand in front of her. You know, like mm-hmm. oh, thank you for a wonderful evening. It, it was great. And he goes to leave and he drops his arm, but neither one lets go. Mm-hmm. And that and that's where that camera is focusing, like you said, on their hands. And then you see that little bit of tension in their arms as they pull each other back close to you know, to each other. And then it pans up as the, as they kiss. I'm like, ah, oh, that is like one of the most romantic kisses I have it ever is. seen. It is. I can't think of a better one. I know Princess Bride claims that that kiss leaves them all behind. <laughs> this is that actual kiss. This is really the one. <laughs> I love the line right there. They kiss. We're heading into a rough sea, Michelle. Good night. Oh, my God, that was perfect. Yeah. There's there's so much. Uh, I mean, I don't know if we'll get very much into talking about the visit with his grandmother, but... It's also another just... You almost... I could have watched an entire movie about their visit with grandma. <laughs> yeah. I mean, their visit is an entire movie. Like, it's just the whole. Uh, <laughs> you could have expanded it. You could have. Could we go? Could we go and meet the Gardner's family a little bit? Let's meet his seven daughters. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to see how this this little old lady lives in this. this and it's her own world. He says, my grandmother's mm-hmm. world. But it is like a private world. And the effect that it has on Terry I think is the effect it would have on anybody except uh, a Hilton. <laughs> right. Anybody except a, a <laughs> what are what are those other girls called? Like a Kardashian. Kardashian. <laughs> it would have this effect on anybody but a Kardashian, where she's just mm-hmm. odd and and her, like her soul is quieted, and she's mm-hmm. just it's. I think the reaction that you see so clearly from her is this is her dream if she were. And if she were an old lady, this is how she would live her life if she could, if she had any option in the world. Just secluded, cloistered, secloistered. Just cloistered away in this private kind of heavenly garden. Uh, It's just, uh, 
I love her reactions to it. And then we talked about the chemistry between between Charles Boyer and Irene Dunn, but the chemistry between um, I can't even pronounce her name. Right. Ospenskaya. Yes, and both of the other two characters when she and Michelle embrace. That hug is like an actual grandma's hug, hugging a real person that she really loves her grandkid. And then I love, I love another thing that, that I noticed when he first meets Terry and they talk through the portal, he speaks to her in Italian and then they speak in English. But when he talks to his grandmother, it's in French. And I love Mm. this. It's, they don't mention it. Nobody, nobody in the movie says, oh, how many languages do you speak with today? Everybody has to point out how many languages do you speak? It's just, it's just how his life is. You know, he speaks Italian normally. He speaks French to his grandma. He speaks English to everybody else. I love it. It's, so Are you natural. sure he's speaking Italian? I didn't realize that was Italian. I thought it was French. It, it ver- at the very beginning, when he speaks to her, he I believe he what he says is in Italian. Uh, hmm. I speak okay. a little French. Un poco. Kidding. <laughs> Just a very little bit of French, and it sounded Italian to me. Um, that's an interesting... Th- and now, I, now I'm going to have to go back and double check it. Maybe I'm know, wrong. The, the, the the subtitles to the uh, the version I was watching on Amazon said it was French, but <laughs> so I, think, I watched I think. <laughs> the versions I watched didn't have any subtitles. <laughs> so warning when you're watching this, depending on the version right. you get, there may not be any subtitles. <laughs> it's just as, as as a last minute to just to view a little bit before we sat down. I, I pulled it up on Amazon Prime and and, and went ahead and turned on the uh, the English subtitles or the closed captioning, I suppose for that case. And uh, I, I it, it it of course could uh, could be wrong as well. I mean, it right. is just <laughs> the closed caption. It, I'm surprised it just didn't say foreign talk. I have to check. <laughs> I have to check this now. Oh no no, you're right. It's French. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've settled that, nope, say, he speaks all in French. Everything I just said is a yeah. lie. <laughs> there is no. Yeah, clue. I never got the impression he was wasn't speaking anything other than French. Oh, he was funny. definitely a very much a, a, a Frenchman. There you and, go. Yeah, his his French grandmother. But yeah, that entire uh, bit of story on the terrace of the top of the hill where grandmother lives. Mm-hmm. And I loved the character of the grandma. And she's one of those great uh, Janou. Or Janou, Janou, I think is her name. I, I He calls her. She's one of those fantastic grandmothers, older women, that yes, she's old and she's, you know, she does and says her prayers and everything, but she knows, she knows what's <laughs> up, you know, she knows what kind of life uh, Michelle lives and she knows what it is to be young versus old. Mm. Uh, when Terry says, oh, I could spend my whole life here. And she's like, oh, you're too young for that. You need to go out and live, you know, before you do something like this. And then later, when it's just her and Terry talking. Michelle is too busy um, living. <laughs> Things come too easy to him. And he's always allured by the act he's not practicing. The places he hasn't been, the girl he hasn't met. I don't mind confessing to you, my dear, that I've been worried about him. Why? that one day life will present a bill to Michel and that he will find it hard to pay. But when I, I see him with you, I feel better. I don't understand. He's going to be married and settle down and... 
Can't you just see him with his slippers and his pipe? No. There is many a slip betwixt the lip and the altar, and anything could happen on a boat. Believe me, my dear, there is nothing wrong with Michelle that a good woman could not make right. No. <laughs> but there's a lot of time between now and then, and a lot can happen on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I love. I love it. I love that you see how well she knows him, and she still is just this unconditional grandmother love for him. You know, Grandma and her her life and. Everything leaves a huge impression on Terry. I love the moment when they finally have to leave and they start walking down the stairs and Terry just stops dead in her tracks and turns and runs up and gives uh, Janu a hug mm-hmm. and a kiss. They may be together an hour or two and to have that kind of impact on her. And it comes across. None of it feels forced. Mm-hmm. No, it's so perfect. again, like you were saying with direction, I mean, both script and direction and acting mm-hmm. all come together and really make some really fantastic moments in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's the end, I guess. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough when it's a movie when it's this good. We both like so much and all we do is gush. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's actually hard to keep the episode going. There must be some <laughs> bad things about this movie. Oh, there's that. No. Uh, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> there. That, that's. It's funny. It's. It's a. It's difficult and it's also easy. The the part of it I think is we have a tendency to try so hard to keep from giving away the ending. The truth is this movie, if you don't already know that it's a remake or that it is the original version of An Affair to Remember, and if you haven't already seen An Affair to Remember, if you haven't at least seen Sleepless in Seattle where they just tell you the end of the movie in the middle of it. <laughs> I don't know where you're from, <laughs> but I guess you should look up at least Sleepless in Seattle. But um, this this is this is the better version. This is the the. It's so funny. I mean, you get so much um, so much applause for Cary Grant and for Deborah Carr, but this is the more intimate story. I think mm. this is it, it. It is a little bit bizarre that they have seven days together, eight days together, and then they're like, okay, let's meet in six months and get married. <laughs> But it's also a different time. They didn't meet and spend eight days together watching YouTube. They spent right. eight days together talking constantly, I'm sure. Yeah, spending time with <laughs> yeah, each other. And learning time. about each other. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and, and, you know, there's definitely, I think everybody's probably met somebody that at, at some point in their life where they just were able to fall immediately into comfortable conversation with them. Right. You just connect right away. Yeah. You realize this is someone that's going to be in my life. And that's right. the feeling with them. From the minute that they start talking, basically, they just click. It's there's not there. Even though the beginning of the movie, you know, and the reviews at the time also said, oh, you know, it's a bit of comedy at the beginning. And then it transitions into, you know, transitions well, by the way, into a more dramatic storyline. It's not like straight comedy. It's not slapstick. There are no whoop, whoop 
music tracks yeah. no, in it. No, it's humorous, though. It's humorous, but it's humorous in a real-life kind of way. <laughs> the little kids, right. you know, she says, oh, careful, when I was your age, I, I fell and broke my leg. And he says, well, how is it now? She says, fine. He's like, what's she griping for then? She's scene like, oh. number three. Favorite scene number three. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> and, and that is... You know, the the kind of thing. And then it, I love it. She just is like, oh, sorry, and like walks off just like you would if you, there was some little kid, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know how to end this conversation. I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so much about it that is, um, it, it feels much, it doesn't feel as contrived, I think is, and it's it's so hard not, I'm trying so hard not to compare it to, it's other later titles. Uh, right. It was. It was. Uh, there were actually also two remakes in in uh, India, and one of them. <laughs> I think. Okay, I think we're gonna have to talk about one of them once we start talking a little bit more about the end of it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> there's the 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 script for these two movies, and so much, so many of the gestures, even of the characters, are virtually identical there's so much of oh, the really? framing that is so similar um the 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 difference the big differences i noticed are an affair to remember is an expanded version of this movie you have a bigger cast you have more supporting actors when they're making <laughs> they're kind of checking out each other's fiancés from the boat rail and kind of mm -hmm. you know judging a little bit in this movie you have four people looking back and forth at each other in an affair to remember, it's like two whole decks of people like looking back and forth at their reactions. <laughs> um, there's it's a it's a expanded version of this, which is why I say this is more intimate. I think, um, but but still, it it doesn't feel like it's blocked like a Hollywood movie is blocked. It doesn't feel like it's um, framed like a Hollywood movie is framed. It feels just so much more like small and intimate and caring. So, mm -hmm. it, and I, some of that might be nostalgia on my part. I've always preferred this version to An Affair to Remember. Um, a huge part of that is Ch Charles Boyer. He's just, to me, his character is the preferable. He's so, so genuine and he's so unpretentious, which is really funny in a complete playboy like you, we don't really understand how those two could go together these days. They don't, you don't see this now. I don't think, but no, um, no, absolutely not. And his character too, as well, is completely honest. Like I was saying, he's completely unapologetic. They're having dinner together. Instead of Mother Goose, you were probably brought up on the memoirs of Casanova. Not at all. Mm -hmm. Oh, you, you've heard of the little fellow, haven't you? imagine you've known quite a few women, haven't you? Or maybe few is the wrong word. And I gather you're having very much respect for them. But you've always been very fair in your judgment. I beg pardon, signora. Would you like me to reserve this table for you every night? Why not? You know, uh, no, I... Look, look. Let's talk about you now. Oh, no, not tonight. <laughs> Let's talk about me some other night. Right. I, I don't imagine you respect any of them. And he, he, <laughs> he says, shakes his no. head. <laughs> Shake, yeah. Shakes his nose, Chris. Like, no, yeah, yeah. no, no respect at it whatsoever. Yeah. Which is interesting. Completely, yeah, it is. I, I just, I love the fact that these two 
are completely honest with each other immediately. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of this attraction, I think, between the two of them comes from. Mm-hmm. Going back to the boat, some of the scenes on the boat are just fantastic. Uh, they decide that uh, they really shouldn't be seen together <laughs> because he's too famous. The, the guy tries to take their picture and they have to like get the the picture from him and, you know, oh, dropped it overboard. Too bad. <laughs> and decide, oh, you know, we changed our, our dinner uh, reservations to one. <laughs> And they end up in the corner in little right tables. Back to back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's staring at you. Yeah. There's, you know, and, and again, they're in, in an affair to remember, they add a laugh track to that scene. They're, you know, the rest oh. of the people watching kind of laugh when they awkwardly try and get out of the room without running into mm. each other, you know, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, and it, it's just this, it just feels a little bit more. It, it feels like it's trying to be a comedy where this is just accepting that some things in life just are kind of funny and awkward. Again, we're talking about uh, improvisation in my, in my heart. I believe that moment that when they get up from the table where they're trying to like, well, I'll just, (laughs) no, and you see them arguing back and forth. You can't hear what they're saying, but you just see them. It's just hand motions. And he's like, Oh, sorry. You're you're standing. I'm supposed to stand because I'm supposed to stand if a lady stands. Yep, and, they, and they're talking. They're like, "No, I'll leave." You, you just you you, you <laughs> yeah. fill in the blanks in your head. They're like, "No, I'll leave." No, yeah, just look at me. Would you just say, "Yeah, exactly." I love too when when okay, he, okay. he walks into the bar and orders you know champagne cocktail with pink champagne and then goes to get a cigarette and then she walks in and the and she just sits there after she orders and watches the bartender making what she thinks is he's making two. her two drinks and she's like. Why are you making me two drinks? And, yeah, and then it dawns them. on her. It dawns oh, on her. She's looking God. around the bar. Where <laughs> yeah. is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when they get off the boat, <laughs> did it annoy you? Everyone else calls him by his name, Michelle, except his fiance. Yeah. Oh, Michael. Oh, what? What? What's her last <laughs> that name? <annoyed> me. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It's a. <laughs> well, I understand that Michelle is like the, the, the French is variation name. of yeah, Michael. Yeah, fine, I get it. But everyone else calls him Michelle. Everybody, well, and it, and I think it kind of indicates his relationship with her is she's she's her plan is to change him. She's mm-hmm. gonna make him the husband she wants, right. and I think you know that I think partly that's probably what makes it a really easy choice not to go with her but but that's that um wealthy it, it's where i th- american it's where i think yeah i think <laughs> that's where the the genius of the script and the direction comes in because that was very intentional mm-hmm. that was like no this is this this how, how can we make people not really like his fiance because <laughs> there's not really anything wrong with her the, what's wrong with her is that we know as the audience that she's not right for him. She can't be right. because Terry obviously is destined to be with him. <laughs> we don't even really meet her. No, I mean, we at get all. like two or three lines from her. We see her for all of 30 seconds to a minute. Mm-hmm. She, we get a couple lines from her, but some of those lines are Michael, yeah. it's so good to see you again. <laughs> yep. And, and fake posing for the. You know, posing for the cameras and, oh, let's yeah. do a fake happy smile. Let's do a fake running to each other's arms. Like all the things you see today constantly, uh, which is so <laughs> fun. It's so interesting to watch that and be like, oh, 
That's where it came from. It's always been around. (laughs) Terry standing right behind them. Yes. And (laughs) And again, the looks on her face, her expression. It's priceless. Yeah. (laughs) And then I love he goes to do the same thing and just totally gets blocked. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Can I get through? Oh, sorry. Hug. (laughs) Uh, But no, and and later on, much later on, we do see the, the failed fiance again. And she's nice. She's very nice. She's sympathetic when you know she says I I guess taking you out to the theater was a bad idea wasn't it you know but she's Mm. not she's not angry at him she's not resentful she you know you there's nothing really wrong with her except that she's not Terry that's really what it is and the same thing with Terry's fiance you know the only thing wrong with him is that he's not right for her because obviously Michelle we we know who is right right exactly (laughs) I I appreciate that I appreciate they didn't vilify the the other people Mm -hmm. that were just happened to be there you know Maybe it's a little, well, isn't that nice? Because everyone does seem to take it really well that everyone's broken off their engagements. There's no animosity <laughs> between anybody. It's like, wow, that's a that's a bright, shiny world you've created here. Well, I mean, you know, if you're a, if you're a, what did they say, twenty million dollars in 1939, you could go find yourself another Playboy pretty easily. And sure. uh, and I think you know, and I I feel in this version. And, and I'm trying really hard not to talk about the others. <laughs> that, her, that, that Terry's fiance, and I, I feel really bad. I don't even know what his name is. I should know what his name is. But um, let's see, Kenneth Bradley. I don't know that they even ever mention his name. But I, I feel bad because he's obviously a really nice guy that really cares about her. She disappears for six months after breaking out their engagement. And when, he, when she comes back into town, immediate, he, immediately he's like, oh yeah, give her anything she wants, but keep her there. I'll be right there. You know, when mm-hmm. he shows up and he's so happy to see her. And, you know, even though she's thrusting him aside, even at that moment, you know, he's good humored about it. But this is not a guy that's like, you know, you broke up with me. Well, you know, screw you, lady. I'm going to go find eight other women. So nah. You know? Right. <laughs> Oh, goodbye, Miss McKay. Do come back again, please. Yes, do stay away so long, my dear. Goodbye, Miss Lane. Terry. Ken, what are you doing here? How on earth did you know I was here? Oh. Oh, I see. What time is it, Ken? I'm late. Five minutes of five. It's good to see you again. It's wonderful to see you again. I've got so much to talk to you about. Can't we go someplace now? Oh, no, I'm in a hurry. But I've got so much to say. Well, call me up sometime. No, you can't do that either, can you, when I'm going to be married? Oh, then you are going to... Yes, Ken, and I'm late. What time did you say it was? Uh, four minutes of five. It looks like I came all the way down here just to tell you what time it was. Doesn't yes. It? Goodbye, Ken. Goodbye. <laughs> Apparently, I came down just to tell you how what time it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those little brilliant little brief lines. Mm-hmm. It's just a rare, very... A pleasant and natural little interaction between these two people. Yeah, again, life is awkward, and it acknowledges yeah. it without focusing on it. So now we're to the point where we're just, we're pondering: Do we want to talk about the end or not? <laughs> do we want to talk again? You know, if you've if you've lived in the United States since 1993, you uh, probably are aware. I mean, uh, frankly, if you were born before 1980, you're probably already aware of. Well, <laughs> look. We're talking about a romantic comedies from the 1930s. <laughs> it's obviously going to have a happy ending. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. But I mean, you probably know what the ending is if you are familiar with any of the many movies that reference it. 
Um, right. You know, everything, you know, I again, like, <laughs> I can't help comparing this movie a little bit. I love Irene Dunn in this because even there's a there's a moment of her after the accident in the hospital bed where this is this woman that was looking forward to everything in the world. And now she is very real, seriously looking at the possibility of having nothing in the world. And through that, she's still trying to be cheerful. She's still not, she's still trying not to be a burden on, you know, the guy who's, she broke off her engagement with and on, you know, her, her uh, priest and, you know, the other people around her. I, I love that scene. That's one of my favorite scenes. Um, because it's not trying to make you weepy. It's not, it doesn't have soaring, you know, or, or, or dipping violin in the background. You know, it doesn't have tragic orchestral music playing like, <laughs> oh, this poor woman is an aw. Instead, she's just like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm trying not to, trying not to feel self-pity, mm-hmm. you know, which is something that, almost all of us I'm sure can identify with, (laughs) especially after last year, I'm sure all of us can identify with trying not to feel self-pity and trying not to make, you know, her tragedy, everybody else's tragedy too. Right. And, and I love her character in that moment. You know, she, she could be saying, you know, bring me the man I love. He needs to be here. I need his support. He needs to, he needs to go through this with me, you know, or she could be saying, you know, you know, I, she could be demanding in this moment, but she's just trying to be strong, trying not to Mm -hmm. make it hard on other people. And, and, And the emotion in this moment is, I think, really deep, but it doesn't, you don't feel coerced watching it no and i love that you know her reasoning for not sending word to michelle about what happened she doesn't want him to see her and then feel obligated feel obligated Mm -hmm. exactly to to stay with her for any reason Mm -hmm. um you know she wants to know that their love you know if their life is based on real real love and there's no way to know for sure mm-hmm. if it was just, oh, you're you're only with me because you felt sorry Pity, for yep, me. Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, and so she's determined, though. She's not forgetting Michelle. Mm-hmm. She's just saying, no, no, no. I'm going to wait till I get through this. Yeah. And then I'll find him. Yeah. Um, you yeah, know, she'll, she's still... She, I can't... It, it, that's such a different attitude to modern attitude. You know, now mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, it's like everybody feels like they're owed by anybody in their past, anybody and everybody in their past. And she's just saying, nope, I'll, I'll find a job. I'll get through it. And if I can get through it, then I'll go and see, you know, go back to him. Right. It's such a, it's just, I, I hate to use such a trite phrase, but it's such strength of character. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. And, and you like her all the more for it, I think. Mm-hmm. And so what, I mean, we can talk about the ending because like you said, I mean, this is, probably one of the most well-known stories that has <laughs> been in cinema. Uh, it was the nearest thing to heaven. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's line for line, you know, basically an affair to remember, especially at certain parts. And that right. just happens to be one of them. But I was going to say, when we get to the, um, 
we get to the final end where Michelle ends up looking her <laughs> up, discovers that she's where she's at, and it goes to see her in the apartment. Yeah. And they, um, the way they tell their story. I bet you're wondering how I got here. I was looking in the telephone book for a man named McBride when I saw the name of Terry McKay. So I said to myself, could that be Terry McKay, my old friend? <laughs> and it was. Yes. Then I said to myself, I haven't been very nice to Miss McKay. After all, I had an appointment with her one day at... Um, And uh, I didn't keep it. That wasn't a very nice way to treat an old friend, was it? No. So I said to myself, I must apologize. And here I am. That's sweet of you. Yes, I think so. I often wondered about you. How you were? Oh, you did, really? But I often wondered about you, too. So, you didn't get angry because I wasn't there? What do you think? Oh, it must have been at first. No, yeah, that's what I, I thought. At mm. first, I was furious. I said, he can't do a thing like this to me. Who does he think he is? And how long did you, I mean, did you wait long? Well, let's see, I... I waited until about... Midnight? Oh. And then what did you do? Well, then I was really mad. You can just imagine up there. In a thunderstorm? Yes. And then what did you say to yourself? Well, then I said... Why don't you go home and get tight? <laughs> you didn't do that. Didn't I? Maybe you, you took a little one every hour for about a month. Yeah, Michelle like says, "Well, obviously, yeah, I, I chickened out. Of course, mm-hmm. you were, you were obviously there waiting for me." And then it comes to, to pass. He tells about the story about that. Uh, you know, he had painted her. He, she was wearing. Mm-hmm. She's wearing the shawl that his grandmother um, sent to her. And he was like, oh, you know, I painted you like that, you know, sitting with a shawl. And yeah, and then uh, my agent told me about a woman that came and then it dawns on him I who love, this woman was. Yeah. I love that he and, never specifically says a paralyzed woman in a wheelchair. He just stops mm-hmm. and goes. Uh, and I. I got <laughs> yeah. And then he finds he finds the pain in the other room of the apartment. He says that we'll be together it it doesn't matter whatever happens we'll do it together and you never ever get that feeling that okay what she was concerned about you're like no they just erase that you know there's no pity here this is just they know they're right for each other they know that they're meant to be together and that's the way it's going to be and if this is the way it's going to be so be it Mm -hmm. but they're together yeah they're like thank you (laughs) yeah his responses through this scene every second of his responses through the scene are what I struggle to describe about what makes him so good in this part. And in, in, in really, I think probably in every part he plays because 
even though you're seeing this emotion go through his face, you're seeing it as if it's really happening, not as if he's acting it out. Mm-hmm. And it and it's something that I think is pretty rare. You don't get, I, and I love that the director didn't press for more obvious reaction, because I think you see that in remakes. I think you see that in later films, where instead of him just being subtly, it, the instead of all of the things happening in his mind, a lot of directors would push for all of the things to happen on his face. And in this instance, you don't see, you know, his face doesn't crumble in despair when he realizes and then, you know, solidify into determination. You don't have this big dramatic transformation happening. It's just everything is going step by step logically through his mind. He understands what's happening and he already knows what his decision is going to be. And it's hard to explain. It's hard to convince people that the greatest actors are the most subtle actors but i think charles boyer is probably the perfect example of that was it just me or in that moment when he realizes he sees the painting and everything the expression the feeling that you get from him at least the way i interpreted it it was almost a sense of understanding and relief because it was suddenly a oh that's why this had all this happened that's why she wasn't it there it, it, it all makes sense now mm-hmm. and now we can move on that's what i got from that and i thought that's that's just fantastic i think a lot of it i think i think there's relief there but i think there's also understanding like true understanding he's not like oh okay well that's why she didn't come is because you know she she was injured it's more than that she, he knows it's not just that she didn't come because she was injured it's that he knows she didn't come because she didn't want him to feel obligated right yeah no that's exactly that that's what i meant mm-hmm. yeah and where yeah i yeah it's so hard it's so hard to describe subtlety <laughs> So, so ultimately, I'm going to be extremely unsettled and say, if you haven't watched this movie, what the heck are you doing listening to this podcast? You should have seen it already. Mm-hmm, <laughs> why, why are you still listening? <laughs> Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, many times. Yeah. Uh, this is another one where the very few films that we watch are films that I think, oh, I'm definitely going to watch this one again. This is one I will definitely watch again. Mm-hmm. When we talked about it, it came up, and I and I said, "Oh, wait, that movie is, is in the public domain." Oh, and and I think the words out of my mouth were that "An Affair to Remember" is a remake of this movie, and I prefer this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, and and it's so great to go back and rewatch it years later. It's been a long time since I had seen this, and to still feel the same way. I'll, I have to now go back and watch An Affair to Remember again, but all the things I remember about it are make it in comparison to this movie Garish. Um, mm. And it's ironic that the the movie that was done with the bigger budget, with the color, with the more, fa- well, maybe more famous actors, but certainly very popular right. at the time, is not a better film than this. Well, I think you have to take it take it in the time that it was made. Uh, I think, you know, in the 30s, 40s maybe, you were allowed to be subtle. By the time you get into the 50s, I think you had to be a little bit more in your face and garish with how you told the story. You had to be 
you know, Cinemascope and Technicolor <laughs> and whiz bang and, well, and that sort a, of thing. And it is a different. I, I think that some of the filming on this got pushed back because of the war effort. And, you know, we don't think of, it doesn't mention the war in the film at all. Um, but, you know, thinking about all of those other things going on at the time, too. Yeah, it was a different world. It was a world mm-hmm. that was full of uncertainty, I think. And, you know, then fast forward to the 50s where it's just a boom. You know, everything right. has to be bigger and better because that's how the world is now. I think you're exactly right. Yeah, so I wouldn't fault an unfair to remember for being that way. I think it's just a product of its time. It is. And it's, you know, it's the same as saying, do you prefer Clark Gable or Cary Grant? Do you prefer, you know, any any actor to any other actor? And I'm, I am, a, there's no question in my mind that there are a lot of people out there that would say, oh, this movie is nothing compared to an affair to remember. But, um, you know, for my money, this is, I, I think the characters are, I, I, you know, I, I have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on and repeat what I've already said, but you know, I've right. already explained it. Yeah. So I think, there's no surprise when we come to giving the Othel ratings once again <laughs> on this one. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a five for me. Solid people three. Should absolutely, no, <laughs> uh, people should absolutely go and watch this Yeah, uh, because it is a, like we were saying, and like you know, others have said, it's gotten to be sort of a forgotten, you know, this is the first mm-hmm. um, time this story is told in film. And then it's repeated many, many times <laughs> since then. And every one of those films are better known than this film. So Definitely absolutely not always better, but better known. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I chose my words carefully it, there. It's worth mentioning. I think I have to mention this because when I heard, when I read this, I was like, what? And I, I had been thinking, I have to watch this. I love Bollywood movies. I, Shah Rukh Khan is one of my favorite actors. There's so much out there that I'm like, oh. And there's a movie called Man. Um, and it's a remake of this, but in the movie, instead of her, you know, being hit by a car and then ending up in a wheelchair, she has to have her legs amputated. So oh, <laughs> I know that's what I said. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, and then, you know, it's describing it and he carries her around the marriage circle because she's got no legs. And I was like, what the crud? <laughs> I mean, you know, wow. that's great that he, you know, I mean, that's a great message to put out there. Look, even if the person you love loses their legs. Like that's not, a, they're not a different person just because they don't have legs. But, but it was a little bit shocking to go from this to an affair to remember. Just she's got no legs. I was like, oh my gosh. Definitely, definitely turned it up to eleven <laughs> totally on that one. It went all the way to eleven. So, so I think you know it, it would be fun to go through and you know on a weekend watch every version of this movie. <laughs> yes, I am that kind of a film nerd. I will go through and watch every Dracula movie right in a row but um i that would be an interesting one to compare each of the different versions of this movie to there's certainly are some versions that i can tell you flat out in my opinion utter crap but (laughs) (laughs) maybe not that one i haven't seen that one but um it it would be an interesting comparison i think but yeah no you should not exclude this one if you choose to do that right nope excellent I think that pretty much says it all. Just to clarify, yes, five Othels for me, too, yeah. just in case anybody yes. was confused <laughs> out there. <laughs> I was joking about the three. Absolutely a five. It's a five just for just, just for Charles Boyer, just for Irene Dunn. He's really, I mean, we've now watched him, you know, within you know, a few months um, 
apart and everything, but he is quickly gone from an actor that I knew nothing about, had never even heard of, to now I want to see him in movies. I would watch anything with him in it at this point. Absolutely. Yes. Even something that sounded horribly depressing, I would watch because he was in it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I went back and watched Algiers after we <laughs> recorded about it. Yeah. I think that weekend I went and watched Algiers again because I really like this guy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. So now I'm going to have to see more Irene Dunn. Obviously, Charles Boyer is. Yeah, and she's another one. She's a, a name that I don't know that I'd ever heard before. That is interesting. I've heard it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I know I've seen movies with her in it. I don't want to derail or close out too much here. But uh, it is interesting. I mean, she's definitely a lady that was extremely well-known, but then has just faded out. So she was in Showboat. I should have realized but, um, it, it, yeah, Intr it will be great to go back and see. I, I really want to see more Maria Ospenskaya, too. Um, she's got that face, you know. But I love her in the sweet little grandmother role. Absolutely. Now, this is the third film that I, now I've seen her in. She, of course, we saw her in uh, Beyond Christmas or Beyond Tomorrow, whatever. It had a couple names, and now I don't remember which one it was. <laughs> the Wolfman. She's in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, the Wolfman. Right. Uh, okay. All these great. She's that. That little okay, so there's <laughs> gypsy lady. Yeah, yeah, the gypsy lady. Yeah, that's that's the other film I was going to mention. Yes, uh, that I that I'd seen her in. Um, so yeah, I've seen her play multiple uh, nationalities now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that will do it for this month's episode. Thanks everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed us rambling and gushing yeah. on this film. And if you watch this film, we hope you enjoyed it. And, and thank you for holding I, I out you will. for the five minute mystery. It's been promised for yes. so long. So I'm glad we could finally deliver yeah. that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, of course, we do have another script <laughs> that we did <laughs> from listener Christine. Why was that uh, funny? I guess we are going to have to uh, hustle, buckle down and do that <laughs> yeah. one now too. Exactly. <laughs> we made good on our promise on this one, so we will we will get to it, we promise. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it. Thanks very much, everybody. We will talk to you next month. Bye, Bye. everyone. <laughs>